You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Does anyone have any testimonies of anything that God's done this week? We're going to celebrate testimonies. We had a, a great testimony that um, we heard last Sunday night at our uh, Silence Breakers prayer time from Elisha and Joey, who have been consistently going out on the street and sharing the gospel with people. Let's give them a hand. You have something? Absolutely. Um, Louise has a testimony, but they, they last week got to actually lead a guy to the Lord. And what, what, I, what I loved, yes, celebrate it. Come on. Wait, we got to stop this again. Okay, so when we have testimonies, one of the cultures that we love as a church is that we celebrate what God does, especially when somebody gets saved. It says that all of heaven is celebrating. So to, to me, it's like, it's very like, it's such a bummer and a downer when we're like, someone got saved and people are like, oh yeah, cool. No, no, we got to like celebrate. So they got the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord last Sunday afternoon. There you go. We're going to wake you up no matter what it takes this morning. Um, what I loved about this was that the guy actually shared with him. He said, I was literally just praying and saying, God, if you're, if you're real, would you give me a sign? And like right then they walked up to him and said, oh, can we like talk to you? Um, and he was just so open. That's the, the, yeah, the fruit that we're seeing of just continuing to sow seeds. And uh, I love the, the idea, Chloe, of doing the cards. And even if you're going out on, on, the, on the street, if you're going to share with somebody, God might just give you a scripture and a you know, picture of a face or somebody that he wants you to bless or to share with. Um, just really cool that you can grab one of those cards, write a scripture down, and say, God, highlight to me who you want me to share with today or who you want me to give this to. Um, so let's do that. Thank you, Chloe. Can we... Can we give Chloe a hand as well? Got one? John's got a testimony too, and Louise has got a testimony. Awesome, I love it. Come on. I'm no good with that stuff. It's like I can't even turn the, turn the button on. Um, I love how God is in the whole of our lives, and my testimony really is about God just knowing all that I need, and so I want to encourage you that if there's something in your life that you're needing God to um, provide for you, he provides because he's, we, there's not a divide between what is so, so-called spiritual and what is so-called our normal lives. Our whole lives is God in us, right? So I, just want that, so I want to give a different kind of testimony. Um, I'm doing a project um, at the moment working for a, a, a local drama society and um, I'm actually doing all the backstage props and things for that. I'm overseeing it. And I had a certain budget. It was very small. <laughs> and so um, I was praying for the Lord for supplies. And I asked him, Lord, I really need for the sets that I'm, we're building. Actually, I'm not building them. Mark's building them. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the, my handy husband right there. He he's actually has built some. I need, I, I'm, Lord, I'm asking you for $500. So I made an application in two Bunnings and, um, and I was in the shower on Tuesday and saying, Lord, you know, I've, for this whole week I've been saying to you, Father, I need $500. And they phoned me and they gave me $575. Love it. I love it. God's provision. Come on, John. You going to come up here too, mate? You can come. Show everyone your cool shoes. Got this, he's got like the sparkly shoes that flash when you walk. I'm very jealous. If they fit me, I would, wear, I would definitely wear them. Um, two quick ones. So not yesterday, but last Saturday, we had a friend of mine called Graham um, come over, went through the gospel with him. He got saved and baptized. 
which was awesome. Yeah, praise God. Um, and Luke and I were out in the street Wednesday night, and we met a guy called Phil. And at first he was very abrasive, wanted to argue a little bit, um, said he'd met Christians and they've all said horrible things to him. And then he's, as we're talking, he goes, I've never met people like you. And it's because we're just talking love, 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 Jesus, Jesus. Um, and by the end of it, we pray for him, and he's like starting to cry a little bit. And we're able to give him some food, some money, some um, sleeping bags and stuff. And yeah, we're going to keep that relationship going, but he was really touched. So good. I love it. We've, uh, we've finished um, the course, the Silence Breakers course that we're doing. But um, as we sort of have been sharing over the last few weeks, it's not, it's not like the end of time of sharing with people. It's the launching pad. It's the time to go out. And so we want to keep celebrating the testimonies of what God's doing and just, you know, ma- making much of him, but also loving people. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's, that's what this is about. Ultimately, our motivation is to love people. Yeah. You know, if we're doing it out of any other motivation, we have to check our heart and say, okay, you know, why am I doing this? Our motivation has to be love. And last week, I, I asked the question of us, um, do we exist for ourselves or do we exist for others? Are we sowing our lives in a way that, um, that God can multiply, as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, the harvest of our righteousness? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, often we use, the, you know, the, the scripture has been used to talk about um, bringing tithes and giving offerings and, you know, in a financial sense. But Jesus says that money or finances is that which is least. And the harvest of our righteousness isn't talking about a financial harvest. It's talking about a harvest of salvations. What, what does it mean? Harvest of righteousness is the salvation of others. He moves from talking about the natural thing to the spiritual. It's actually sowing our lives, sowing our talents, sowing our time so that God can multiply or increase the harvest of our righteousness, that others would be saved. I believe we're in a season and we're hearing testimonies of it where God's calling us to a greater impact as a church. He's calling us to greater expectation, to greater harvest, but we have to be willing to move from spectator to participator, from passive to active. And it doesn't surprise me this morning that maybe we're, you know, we're a little bit quieter. Because when you begin to go after stuff, like moving from being passive spectators to active participants, we come up against some opposition. You might not know it or believe it, but the truth is that we're in a spiritual battle. It's not just natural. It's not just, I set my alarm, I get up. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. The enemy doesn't want you to come and gather with believers and be encouraged. He doesn't want you to have greater impact. It's, it's easier. It tends to leave you alone when you're just doing your own thing. But when we start to talk about stepping out and sharing the gospel and seeing salvation come and seeing healings happen and moving from being spectators, from being passive to being active, then we begin to come up against opposition. Matthew, uh, Matthew. Jesus says this in the, in the book of Matthew 28. Verse 19 to 20. I guess Matthew wrote it, but Jesus said it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's a, it's a doing word. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is not a suggestion for somebody else. This is not the great 
commission to those who put their hand up to lead. This is not the commission of pastors. There's other scriptures in the Bible for ordaining and commissioning those who God's called to lead in a church context. This is the great commission, the commandment for every single believer, every single follower of Jesus. God's plan has always been transform Jesus lovers, Jesus followers, discipling others to become more like Jesus. That might sound simple, and let me give you a little secret this morning. It is actually quite simple. We like to overcomplicate what it means to follow Jesus. But his plan has always been that each of us has an encounter with him, that our lives are transformed, and then we disciple others so that their lives are transformed and they become more like Jesus. That's what Jesus modeled for us. That's what we see um, in the early church. If you look at the early church in the book of Acts, verse 42 to 47, um, I think it's, it's a model for us. And it says this, they devoted themselves, not somebody else devoted them, not somebody pushed them to do it, but they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were helping each other. They were giving to where there was need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with, food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It's Jesus who adds people to the local church. And he does that not to sit and watch others minister, but for us to minister together so that we grow and we become more like Jesus and the kingdom's advanced. It's about being disciples who make disciples. Jesus doesn't add you to a church or to a, uh, the, the family of God or a local expression to come and sit and watch a pastor preach once a week and kind of tick the box and then go about your daily life. No, no, the reason he adds you is because you have a, he has a part for you to play in advancing the kingdom. The term disciple means this, one who engages in learning through instruction from, a, from another, a pupil or an apprentice, one who is rather consistently associated with someone who has a particular set of views, carries the idea, the disciple carries the, the idea of duplication, that we're becoming like something. Um, a disciple is a learner, but not just a student. What do I mean by that? It's learning, but it's learning by putting into practice and action. It's not just sitting and hearing teaching and then going, well, that's a great idea, but that we learn by actually going and doing. We talk a lot about activation. It's, a, it's just a, a, a nice phrase or way of saying to put it into action. You can come and sit in a church and hear all the stuff, but if you don't put it into action in your life, we don't actually see any change or any growth or fruit from what we're hearing, from what God's saying. And I, I hope that as you, I hope you spend time reading the Bible during the week, and I hope as you do that, you're asking God to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, that you actually put it into practice, that you do what he's saying. Discipleship is a way that we see people becoming part of church community, growing, maturing, building deeper relationships, challenging one another to become more like Jesus. 
There's always this like interesting line, you know, line to balance in a church is that like we, we want you to come, but we also want you to be uncomfortable. It's like we want you to be comfortable because like from a friendly relationship point of view, we want you, we're like, hey, how are you going? And because we love you. And, but we also at the same time want you to be uncomfortable because we want to all change and grow. It's like, a, it's like kind of like the only place that does that. It's like going to the cinemas and they're like, oh, welcome to the cinema, but we really want you to be uncomfortable while you watch this movie. But we're not watching a movie. Actually, it's about like being trained and equipped. It's more like, so often we think about church as like going to the cinema, but it's more like going to sports training. To go and like actually, you know, use and develop so that we grow and that we're strengthened. The church is about becoming more like Jesus. It's more than attending a meeting or a social gathering. It's more than just sitting and hearing somebody else do it. We all have a part to play. We should all be sowing to relationship. We should all be inviting people into our homes. We should all be uh, inviting people into our lives and building friendship all the time. That's kind of general Christianity. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for connect group leaders. Every single one of us should be looking for opportunities to invest in others and disciple others. Being a disciple of Jesus involves every part of our lives. You might be going, flip, this is difficult this morning. I want to undo some, like, some of the things that we think about what being a Christian is or what being a disciple is. We like to compartmentalize. We like to keep it sterilized, but it actually involves every part of our lives. There's nothing, if we're going to follow Jesus, that isn't, like, isn't available to him, that isn't his. We've so, so much, we've so sterilized and compartmentalized our Christianity um, to, you know, down to sort of a couple of meetings a week. Um, and then we feel like, you know, we come and we watch somebody else do all this stuff. And then, you know, we have this false sense that we're having impact. Or this false sense that we're, that, that we're um, you know, something's happening. But we actually never really see growth in our lives. Because we've, you know, we've kind of gone, this is the following Jesus part of my life. And everything else is kind of closed off or put in a different room. Um, we become so me-focused at times, it's almost unrecognizable to what Jesus modeled for us. You're right this morning. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. At times, we've made it so focused on ourselves that we miss the very point of what Jesus has called us to. We've removed this idea of being added or covenant relationship or submission to God-ordained, not self-appointed authority or partnership. And we end up, when we go down that line, with individualism and self-service and consumerism. But the church is called to be so much more than that. It's called to be more than a meeting. If we only think meeting, we're going to end up with an individualistic, consumeristic idea of what following Jesus is. The church is more than that. This time of gathering is important to encourage one another, to build one another up, to, you know, to, to it's, it's like the halftime rally at a sports game where you bring the team together and you say, guys, how are we going? And, you know, how can we improve? How can we be strengthened? We hear from the, you know, the coach or the, you know, the, whoever's leading the team, but it's not the whole time. This isn't the game. This is the halftime. This is the, the break in the game. So we have to challenge our concept of what, uh, what church is, our mindsets of what it means, or else we view discipleship simply as a, a box to tick. 
Just another meeting. We, 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 put it, we put this idea, we hear the word, you know, we kind of go, okay, I think I have an understanding of that. But we put it in a box of uh, discipleship means I go to somebody's house once a week for an hour and a half. I have tea and coffee and we tick that box and then I'm done. We have to challenge that concept. Will you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2? The first week um, after all of our lockdowns and coronavirus stuff that we were able to meet together, we were out in the car park. We had three meetings in the car park. Um, and I shared out of this scripture, and I want to share out of it again, because it's still relevant and it's still true for us. And I think we need to be reminded of it. First Peter chapter 2, let's read from verse 1. It says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, talking about Jesus, as you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Let's jump down to verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are all a holy, royal priesthood. What does that mean? Every single one of us has been redeemed by God and we have a part to play in his kingdom. We're all priests. We are all required. We all have a part to play. To do what? Well, we've just read. It says to offer spiritual sacrifices. First of all to him. That we come, we gather, we offer sacrifices to the Lord. I mean, that's why, why do we worship? It's not just to kind of give time to get to the preach. Some churches, that's sort of the idea. Let's do three songs so that everyone has time to get in, get settled, finish their coffee, and then we get up and we preach for an hour. No, no, we worship because we're called to offer spiritual sacrifices to bring glory to Jesus first and foremost. To proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. To offer spiritual sacrifices, to proclaim his excellencies, to tell other people what he's done in our lives, how amazing he is. If you can't do anything else, if you can't think of anything else that you're thankful for, just proclaim who Jesus is. You're good, you're worthy. Sometimes, you know, we get stuck in how do I pray and, you know, and we're overwhelmed by what's around us. Just begin to say, God, you're holy, you're worthy. Lord, we thank you that you are who you say you are. Begin to proclaim his excellencies. There's something that shifts in our lives. To long for pure spiritual milk, to be fed, to grow, to pursue Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, to proclaim Jesus. And this is not just for leaders. It's for every single one of us we're all called to this as believers. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, it says this. What then, brothers and sisters? It's for all of us. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Can we live in this truth? In our gatherings together, Louise and Bethany are happy to live in this truth. The rest of us, we're still not quite sure this morning, but that's okay. We're going to get there. Can we live in this truth that each of us has something to contribute anytime we come together? Yes. It's not just this time. It's not right now. I mean, it's, it's, it is now, 
But I mean, if you're having a coffee with somebody this week, if you're having somebody over for lunch later on today, you have something to contribute. Can we begin to believe that? Because we've settled into this thing that it's only the pastor, it's only the leader, it's only the, the, you know, the one who's done Bible college that has something to contribute. That's rubbish. It's not what the Bible says. Come prepared. Come early. Look for opportunities to minister to others. You know that church doesn't start at 10 o'clock. Church starts when two people come together. <laughs> Since we're two or more gathered together there, God is, God is with us. Like, as soon as there's somebody else, you have an opportunity to minister. Whether they know him yet or not. Are you ready or, you know, do we come in? And it's not just about, again, it's not just about this morning, but the way we treat our Sunday gatherings is a reflection of actually what we believe. So I guarantee if you kind of fall into a Sunday, you know, you've just dragged yourself out of bed and just rubbed a bit of sleep out of your eye, but the other eye is still... And like, you know, you're like, and you just kind of make it in it like sort of, you know, at the end. And, and if that was you this morning, I'm, I'm not talking specifically be released, be free, but just in general. And you, <laughs> you come in and, you know, it's like we're not prepared. We're not ready. We don't actually believe that I have something to contribute or that God wants to use me today. And we just kind of flop and sit. And then, you know, if that's our mindset, I guarantee you're not thinking when you go have coffee with somebody or when you, you have somebody into your house or the other times we gather that God wants to use me as well. And if you're thinking that it's only out there and not in here, then shift that mindset as well. God wants to use you at every time. It drives me, yeah, thank you, thanks Claire. God wants to use you, Claire, it's amazing. Um, It drives me insane, and I am gonna like be specific. It drives me insane when people sit out in the cafe area after we started worshiping. So if you do that, please allow God to adjust your heart because you know what? You have something to contribute to our worship. It's not just a music team that we watch. We come to worship Jesus together. Can we believe this, that each of us has a part to play? That we're ready, that we're early, that we're ready to contribute. As a church, we're not called to just come and watch the pastor do ministry. That's not the sort of church that we are, and if that's the sort of church that you want, then this isn't the church for you. We are a priesthood of all believers. Every single one of us has a part to play. You will be pushed out of your comfort zone in this community of believers because we believe what the Bible says, that every single one of us has a part to play. The world doesn't need more celebrity pastors that are trying to make a name for themselves. Just doesn't need any more of that. And I'm not not having a go at them. That's just not who we're going to be. That's not who the world needs. The world needs a, a, a kingdom of priests, a, every single believer who is totally focused on making Jesus known and making disciples, who is sold out to become more like Jesus, not to make a name for themselves, not to create a platform or a ministry, but to, but to actually bring glory to Jesus and show people Jesus. Church is more than a meeting. Church is, the, the, the word church It's actually koinonia and ecclesia. It it, it carries so much more depth than a meeting or a building or a business or whatever else we think church is. Koinonia is family. It's deep fellowship. It's communion with God and one another. It's like it's hearts being knit together. That's sort of the idea is, is like that we're knit together. The church as koinonia is not a shop that I come to every now and then when I need something or a place that I pick up, um, I, you know, I, I pick and choose what I want when I want it. 
It's people who God's added together. Acts 2 says that the Lord added to their number daily. That God's added together, whose hearts are knit together in deep fellowship and communion. Who can celebrate together, but who can, who can weep together. Who can mourn together. Who can lift one another up. It's far more than just come and sit in a building once a week. No, it's, it's shared life. When we begin to understand the depth of that, it changes the way we even view our relationships together as a church. Changes the way we view how do we reach out to others? How do we bring them into our community? How do we disciple people? It's more than a meeting. It's the family of God. To be koinonia, to be the family of God, it requires each of us to move from passive, a passive family expectation, to active family participation. See, in family, we all have a role to play. I like, I, I like this picture. It's like the difference between family dinner or going out to a restaurant. In, I don't know about you, but in our family dinner time with our two boys, we all have a, a part to play. We all have a role to play. So one of the boys um, sets the table. They, you know, they don't always love it. We're trying to get them to do it with a good attitude, but they set the table and we prepare the meal and we do it together and we sit down together and there's interaction and we talk about our day and we share our hearts and then, you know, we clean up together and we stack the dishwasher together and yeah. it's a time to, to communicate and to grow and to hear about our days and to also to, to, in a sense, disciple our young children who have attitudes about whether they want to pack the dishwasher up or whether it's fair to... You know, oh, the dishwasher has to be unpacked. It's clean. Well, then we have to unpack it before we pack it. Oh, but it's not my job. Well, it is your job because you're part of the family. <laughs> when you go out to a meal at a restaurant, you don't often. See, I, I don't particularly like the places where you cook your own food if you go out to a restaurant because that feels to me like eating at home. When you go for a meal at a restaurant, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe you guys love that. I don't like that where they're like, here's all the raw food, just cook it yourself at your table. Um, no, no, like when you go out to a restaurant, you get waited on. You're like, the table's preset for you. You don't say to the kids, hey, go out the back, get the plates and set them out on the table. They're breaking stuff and like, no, no like you, you have an expectation that somebody else is going to do it for you. That they're going to look after you, that the meal is going to be prepared. If you don't like the meal at a restaurant, you send it back. Or you say, oh, look, you know, this, how was your meal? Oh, it wasn't, I, I don't, most of us don't send it back because we're scared that they'll spit in it and then, you know, so they probably will. But, you know, we'll be like, oh, we're not going back there again. You don't do that. I mean, I hope you don't do that at home. I would spank my boys if they, if they sent the meal back. I'm like, wait, wait I'm, your mom is not a chef. I'm not your chef. We're family. You're going to eat what's put before you. Yeah. So whether you like it or not, you're going to say, thank you, mom, this is an amazing meal. They're like, well, what if it's not amazing? I'm saying, you're going to say, thank you, mom, it's an amazing meal, because you're going to respect it, because you put a time into making it for you, and we're a family. This is not a restaurant. <laughs> family meal time, we all have a part to play. Going out to a restaurant, we're waiting to be served. We're happy to, we're upset if it doesn't meet our expectations. We complain if things at the restaurant aren't the way we expected if we complain at family dinner time that things aren't the way we expected, then we, ex then we can expect to be adjusted. <laughs> or maybe we ha have to have a part to play to meet the expectations. How do we view our gatherings? How do we view church? Is it family meal? Is it we all have a part to play? 
Or is it we go out to a restaurant, I expect to be served, I expect the table to be set nicely. If it's not how I expect it, I complain or I go to another restaurant. I believe this season that we're in right now requires us to be active in being the koinonia, being the family together. It's not always comfortable. It means we all have a part to play, but it's real and it's where we grow. Your kids will not become responsible adults by you sending them to a restaurant every night for someone else to just serve them. No, no, become responsible adults by sitting at our table together. And when they say something that's inappropriate, we say, but, but that's not appropriate. That's not how we speak. That's not how we, that's not how we thankful for the meal. That's not how we act in this house. But we grow together. We become adults. We become mature. Don't wait for somebody else to call you. Pick up the phone and reach out yourself. Don't wait to be served like you're in a restaurant with a meal. Get involved. I don't, wanna, you know, I don't mean to sound harsh, but there is a, a reality that we're coming against a mindset and a culture that many of us have grown up in. And it has to be shifted. Don't wait for somebody else to invite a new person or maybe to invite you to their house. You reach out and invite somebody. If you see somebody that you haven't met before, go meet them. It, 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 it actually just undoes my head when people who have been in our church family for like 10 years go, go oh, well, who's that? I'm like, well, they're new. Well, I've never seen them before. I'm like, they've come for like a year. But, and they're like, well, like, they've never said hi to me. I'm like, you were here first. <laughs> what do you mean they never said hi? You were here. Go say hi to them. Like, we've got to take responsibility and kind of go, oh, you know what? This is my house. This is our family. I live here. I'm going to, you know, someone, it, it would be very strange. It would be very strange for someone to come to your house and hang out at your house for a year and you've never said, hey, how you going? What's your name? Come down for breakfast in the morning. They're just using your coffee machine. You're like, oh, hey. <laughs> come home from work. They're just there, chill on the couch. Can I have the remote? I'm just going to change no, no, that is insane. But we do it because we view church as, a, as kind of a, an organization or a business or a restaurant and not as a family. And then we wonder why we kind of get out of whack with stuff. It would be insane to do that in your house. Just you have a stranger live with you for a year? No. Don't wait to be served in church and then complain if it wasn't the way you expected. Get in and be an active part of the solution. The koinonia is the family of God. The church is the family of God. But it's not just the family of God. It's also the ecclesia. Ecclesia literally means the called out ones. But it also implies, so we're called out. We're called away from a one way of living into another way of living, to be part of God's family. We're called out, but it also carries or implies a specific region or location that we carry, um, carries the idea that we're called to set the spiritual tone or the atmosphere in the place that we live. So as a family, we live in this region of Melbourne. We live in different suburbs and different streets and different homes, but in our region, we're called as a family of believers 
who family together to set the spiritual atmosphere or expectation in our region. It's not up to the mega church down the road. It doesn't matter what size we are. It doesn't matter how many people come on a Sunday. We are called to change spiritual atmospheres. That's what the, the idea of ecclesia, to be spiritual legislators, is like the theological way of putting it. It's family, but it's family with purpose. It's family on mission. That we actually become closer as family as we mission together. It's not just family hanging out just for the sake of hanging out. No, no, God's called us into something for a reason and a purpose. It's in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation. In your home, you are called to be the spiritual legislator in your home. You have authority to say what can and cannot happen in your home in a spiritual sense. To say, no, I'm not going to stand for that anymore. And sometimes we have to warfare and sometimes we have to, to battle in prayer. And, we, and sometimes we have to ask others to come stand with us. But we have authority in our home, in our neighborhood, in our workplace. Some of us need to get back to the mission and the call of God. As I was preparing for today, I felt God say specifically that this morning, there's some here today who have heard the call of God clearly. You can think back in your life and you go, clearly God has spoken to me. I've heard the call of God over my life, but you've laid it aside to pursue your own thing or your own comfort. Maybe it's in reaction to offense. Maybe it's disappointment or it's hurt. Maybe it's that it, the, the call's been choked out of you by the cares of the world. But God's calling you back to putting him first in your life, to come back to the call. And if that's you, Please respond to him today. Come back to the call. Someone said when the church is strong, the nation's strong. There's a truth in that. The way we see our nation change, the way we see our city change, is not by legislating for righteousness. It's by being the koinonia and the ecclesia. It's by being who God's called us to be. And we become koinonia and ecclesia through discipleship. We're added to, we, we grow in that. Through discipling one another, growing together. We bring others into it through discipleship. Not through a membership course. Not through, you know, here's a list, tick all the things, and then you're somehow magically a part of this. No, no, it's relational. We don't have a membership class in this church. Not that it's wrong to kind of talk about some of the expectations or cultures, but you can't just do a class and become part of a family. You have to pick up the culture and the heart and the DNA of that family. It happens through discipleship through getting to know one another. Sometimes it's quicker and sometimes it's longer. But it's not by, by, by just watching others. It's by putting it into practice. That we're transformed by the power of the Spirit and bringing the transforming power of the Spirit to others around us. I believe what God's calling us to takes every single one of us saying yes. Will you say yes? It's not comfortable. Thanks, Leanna. It's not comfortable. It won't be comfortable. It's not going to make, necessarily make you rich. It's not going to make you the best you. But it might make you more like Jesus. And it might make you impactful in the kingdom. There's eternal blessing there. When we, when we, when we preach follow Jesus because of earthly blessings, you totally miss the point of the gospel. Follow Jesus and store up treasures in heaven. Jesus might make you poor. Jesus might say, actually, I want everything. You might be rich now. And he'd say, I want everything that you have for me. But I want to give you eternal reward.
one of the things we began to talk about last week, I'm going to finish with this, um, just in a practical sense, that we began to talk about last week was um, our discipleship groups as a church. Um, we've always tried to, to kind of model what we do as a church um, and how we do things on the Bible. If, if we see stuff in the Word that we're not doing, we, we want to do it. We go, okay, how do we do that? If we see stuff um, that we're doing that's not in the Word, we want to change. We want to grow. Um, and, we, you know, that's, that's the, the, the journey and the process that we're on. Um, we've always seen from Acts chapter 2 that there's, I, I think there's an emphasis on three things in our gathering. It says in Acts chapter 2 that they met in the temple from house to house and for prayer. Those are the kind of three things that we put emphasis on. There's other times that we gather, but those are three biblical emphasis. The, the temple is really the, is our Sunday gathering. It's this, that we're here now. It's, it's our larger gathering to worship together. Um, to, you know, it's focused on worship, instruction, equipping, encouraging one another. Prayer, um, and we pray, at, you know, we want to pray all the time. We want to be a people of prayer. But we have times that we gather together, all together to pray. Um, it's going to be on Wednesday nights again. Um, but in our, you know, in homes, and we pray on Sunday mornings before the meeting, you are welcome to join us at 8.15, at 8, no, 9.15. You can come at 8.15 and pray as well. You can come pray anytime you want. If you want to come and pray here, come and pray here. Um, but we value that thing. It, it's making prophetic declaration. It's warfaring together. It's doing battle in the spiritual realm. And then also house to house. I mean, why do we do that? Because they did it in the Bible. Yeah. That's really that simple. Um, you know, we, we, if we see it, we want to do it. Uh, I don't know about you, but that, maybe I'm overly simple as a person. But that's kind of just how I am. If I see it in the Bible, I want to do it. If it's not there, I don't want to do it. In the past, we've called our house-to-house sort of gatherings connect groups. And they've been great. Um, most of the church has been involved in the connect group. For the last 18 months, um, we haven't had connect groups. Partly because we couldn't have connect groups. And then we felt like yeah, as we could begin together, there were some ups and downs with it. Just the realities of the season that we faced in the last, in the last little time. Um, but it's given us some time to begin to look at it again and, and, um, and actually ask this question of whether the way that we're gathering is producing the fruit of discipleship that we're called to. So our gatherings haven't been wrong or bad in any sense. They've been good. What we've, what we've seen is like our connect groups have been really good at building relationships and caring for one another. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. What we haven't been great at or what we can grow in um, is putting into practice the things that we're learning, creating a space to actually practice and grow and activate and put into action what we're learning. So we've been good at discussion, but we could be better at creating space to grow in and practice ministry. Is that overly, is that overly simple or is that you guys understand it? Yeah, good. So we're going to shift the focus of these groups a little bit. We haven't had groups, but we're going to have groups again. Um, we're going to shift the focus more toward what we see in the Bible, and that's discipleship. It's putting it into practice and action. It's, it's not to do away with relationship, and it's not to do away with caring for one another. There's still relationship. There's still caring for one another. There's still outreach. There's other, you know, those positive aspects of how we gather we want to hold on to. But we need to add to that greater depth in our time together. It's not just a social group. When we talk about discipleship, it's to go deeper. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this. Let us consider how. I, I put that in bold. I underlined it. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. To stir one another up to love and good works. How? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We should all be doing this all the time. 
Consider how to stir one another up. How do I become more like Jesus, but how do I help you become more like Jesus? How can you help me become more like Jesus? To put it into practice, to encourage one another, and all the more. We should all be doing this, but if we're going to see real discipleship and growth, we need to see a lot more discipleship groups, to be honest. We need to see a lot more groups, and we need to see smaller groups. Um, some of our groups you know, before COVID were like 20 or 30 people. Um, there's not a reality of, of real discipleship happening with 30 people in a group. Because people don't get to actually put things into practice. You have one or two people or a few people. We need more groups and we need smaller groups. They need to be smaller. They don't have to be in a home. We don't call them home groups for a reason because they don't have to be in a home. Yeah. It can be anywhere. It can be in a coffee shop, in a park, in a you know, cafe, uh, in a home, in the building here. They don't have to be at a specific time. It's not just Wednesday nights or Monday nights or it's any time that works. Whenever you can get together with somebody and disciple them, that can be a discipleship group. It works. Ultimately, here's the thing. Ultimately in the kingdom, anyone can and we all should open up our homes and have people into them. You don't need our permission. Some of you guys are already doing this. You're just opening up your home. I love that John and Luke are just going out and uh, and speaking to people and opening up their home and they've got people coming in and they're baptizing people. That's amazing. We should all be doing this. There is a reality that if you believe that God has added you to this local church, that he's brought you under the covering of this eldership team, that he's ordained to lead this church, he's brought you into covenant relationship with others that he's added here, then there's a DNA that we carry. But you don't have to ask for input or perspective. You don't, I mean, you don't have to ask us, if, can I have people into my home? Do, you can do whatever you want. You're adults. But you'd be insane not to ask for input and perspective from those who God's ordained to lead the church, if you believe God's added you to the church. We raise our kids, you know, as they get older, we want them to step out and take responsibility and to grow in that. And there comes a point where they don't have to ask our input or perspective anymore, but they'd be insane not to. My kids still have to ask for my permission. They're 10 and six. They don't get to like just decide that they're gonna go out and do it. But you know, many of you live at home still with parents and you're like 18, 20, into your 20s, older. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I'm, not trying to, I'm not giving you a hard time. There does come a point that you probably should move out. Um, uh, let's not get into that. Just, you know, whenever it works for you. Uh, but there does come a point where you don't have to ask, but you should ask. You should ask, you should ask people that you trust. You should ask for, for perspective. Um, you can and should gather your friends and disciple them. You should be doing this. But we, if we're going to be discipling well, I believe we need to ask for input and perspective. Say, how can I grow in this? How can I do this better? If you've led a group or if you're connecting with people already or if you're feeling stirred about discipleship, we'd love to help you carry our heart and our DNA as a local church by just opening up some time for training. So we're gonna do two, a couple of nights and we're not gonna cover everything in two nights. It's, it's heart, it's culture, it's DNA. On the 2nd of June and the 9th of June, which are Wednesday nights, here, right here, 7.30 to 9, we're just gonna talk about discipleship groups. What does it look like? What's the DNA? What's the culture that we wanna see established? Do you have to come to that? Absolutely not. But you'd be insane not to. You don't have to do a training and tick a box to open up your house and invite people in. 
But if you want to carry our heart and DNA, it'd be insane not to. If you can't make it to that time, then make another time to sit with us. And just ask. I mean, this is the thing. It's koinonia and ecclesia. It's kind of, do we, we want to do this together. We want to encourage one another. We want to think kingdom together. Anyone's welcome to come along to those times. If you're connecting with people already, come along. If you've led a group before, come along. If you're stirred for it, come along. But I want to ask you two things. That you please come to both weeks, and that if you're married, that, you're part, that you come with your spouse together. Not one comes one week and one comes the other, or one comes and the other stays at home. Because for, this is for your, your best. If one of you gets stirred for something and the other one's not, there's gonna be, you're going to be a disconnect. And it's going to cause problems in your marriage, and that's, we, don't want to, we don't want that to happen. We want to see you grow. Let's see what's best for you. I'm going to, got to finish. We're, we're, I'm excited to see multiplication and to see discipleship. And I think God's stirring this in us already. I mean, we're seeing it happen and people are doing it. Um, discipleship groups, discipleship relationships, however you, whatever language you want to put on it, that's fine. Um, as a team, we believe something that, that God's highlighting for us. Um, and it's going to increase our maturity and increase our impact as a church. We're seeing people get saved. We're asking God for more people to get saved. And we want to disciple them well. We don't want to just say, great, awesome, figure it out. No, no, we want to, we, what we see is Jesus modeled discipleship, and we want to do that well. We, uh, I want to give you a challenge. We're going to finish. I'm going to pray. I want to challenge you with this. So we have our sort of training time on the 2nd and the 9th of June. Put it in your diaries. Write it down. Plan for it. If you don't prepare, like we said last week, it's not going to happen. But here's my challenge for you. I gave the challenge to our Silence Breakers group when we finished. Um, we're going to have a number of discipleship groups starting up in the coming weeks. But you don't have to wait for that. Again, we're talking about don't be passive. Move from passivity to being active. So my challenge is this. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to challenge you to invite somebody from church, a family, a group of people, into your house. Have a meal, encourage one another, pray together, whatever it is you want to do. Um, you know, prophesy over one another, go out on the streets, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what you need to do, but in, connect with people from church. You take initiative to do it. And secondly, invite a friend or a family who doesn't know Jesus yet into your house. It's my challenge to you. Will you move from being passive, I'm going to wait until somebody else says, okay, I've got a group and they're going to invite me and then I'll go to that group and, you know, when it suits me and if it works well and everything's fine, um, to being active, saying, actually, I'll invite somebody to my house. You know, I'll, I'll invite, uh, you know, Michael and Kristen to my house or I'll invite whoever into my house. I'll invite my friends into my house that don't know Jesus yet. How are they going to come to know Jesus? It's not just bringing them to church. Better, to be honest, I think it's better if they come into your house and you lead them to Jesus. And then you can disciple them, and we can help you and come alongside. Can we stand together? There's some heart, there's some practical. There's a challenge for us this morning. I want to pray for us. I want to ask you to respond this morning. If you're challenged in some of the heart things, about being the family of God, about the, the, the koinonia, the, the ecclesia, about the heart of discipleship. Maybe, maybe you viewed church 
as a Sunday morning thing that we do to tick the box and we move on. And God's challenging you to go deeper than that. To actually say, you know what? I'm going to move from, from being passive to active. Maybe you realize this morning, wow, I'm actually more passive in this than I thought I was. Whatever it is that God's highlighting for you this morning, would you respond to him? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, and we thank you and we celebrate, Lord, what you're doing. We thank you for those that are being saved. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, healings and, Lord, the testimonies of your goodness. You are good. And we celebrate that, Lord. And we pray this morning as you've challenged us and you know, as we realize, Lord, areas that you want to adjust and enlarge in us, Lord, we respond to you. Respond to your spirit this morning. Lord, where we've been passive and we've waited for somebody else to do it, Lord, would you help us to step into the calling, Lord? Where we've laid aside, Lord, uh, Lord where, people are, where we've laid aside our calling, that word for whoever that was for. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that, that we would pick that up again, that we would actually turn away, Lord, from living for ourselves or living, Lord, Lord uh, or, you know, the, the things that the world expects to us and turn back to you this morning and to your call. Help us to make those adjustments. Help us to shift. Lord, help us to be ready to disciple others. Lord, we celebrate what is already happening, but we ask for more. We don't want to become satisfied. Lord, we just declare again, Lord, we are not a church of spectators, but we're a priesthood of all believers. We're not a church of spectators. Where we spectated Lord, shift us to being participators. Help us to grow in our ministry. Help us to grow in our expectation. Help us to grow in our faith, Lord. Lord, that as we step out and we begin to practice this stuff, that every one of us would have a testimony. Lord, we celebrate others' testimonies, Lord, but I ask that each of us would have our own testimony of your goodness in our lives, of your faithfulness, of using us to reach others. Activate us, empower us right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.